thoughts of suicide come up for people generally because it seems like a solution, but it ends up being a permanent solution to what is always a temporary problem. Welcome to More Life. September is Suicide Prevention Month. In this episode, Hartford HealthCare's Steve Coates and Dr. John Santopetro, Physician-in-Chief at Hartford HealthCare's Behavioral Health Network, tackle the difficult but important topic of suicide and how rising rates of isolation and depression could be putting someone you know at risk. Thanks for joining us today, Doctor. As we reflect on Suicide Prevention Month this year, we do it amid a historic health crisis, causing not only hardship as far as health goes, but also emotionally and financially. Are we seeing an increase in suicides during this time? That's a great question, and, and thanks for having me on during um, you know National Suicide Prevention Month. It's a very important month to reflect on on suicide as a as a national problem. Actually, people don't walk around thinking about it, uh, but in fact, we have upwards of forty eight thousand suicides a year. Which, if you compare it to homicides, it's more than double the number of homicides. You compare it to uh, breast cancer deaths, and it's it's more than that. It's more than the number. Um, of traffic fatalities. So it really is a, a problem. And in fact, it has been, uh, the rates have been on the rise really since uh, about 1999 or 2000. So it really demands our attention always. But to, to ask the question the way that you did, what about now in a pandemic? Um, and it's not just a pandemic, right? So, you know, there is obviously the virus itself that people are worried about their health. There's the economic crisis that we're you know, dealing with together. There's this social isolation uh, that people are, are dealing with. And also the, there's the social upheaval, um, you know, that we're, we're dealing with in the, in the country. So, you know, collecting data on suicide takes a while, as it turns out. So there really isn't any data that we have today that says, oh, the suicide rate is up during the pandemic. But I have to tell you that it would be quite a surprise if the rate did not go up, because we, we do see the rate of depression going up and the rate of anxiety going up. And we know that there is a direct correlation with financial trouble and suicide, social isolation and suicide. So all of the experts are very much expecting that there will be an increase in the rate uh, in the coming months and, and maybe even for the next couple of years. What about healthcare providers, nurses, doctors who have lived through some very traumatic experiences with, with patients during this really difficult time? We've seen news reports of, of nurses and doctors taking their own life, and can they find help? Well, in fact, we're, we're talking, you and I, today on a National Physician Suicide Prevention Day. And it's a, it's a day that was brought into being a few years ago to call attention to the fact that with physicians in particular we're talking about in this country, the rate of suicide is higher than it is in the average population, which has to do with things like the pressure in the role. Uh, some physicians have experienced loss of autonomy in recent years. There are higher levels of burnout. Uh, which is ironic because you think about if you asked a kid what they want to be on in the world, many of them would say, I want to be a doctor. So it's it's one of these things that is a conundrum, but it is a, a fact that the data points to. And in fact, all healthcare workers during the pandemic have been under tremendous stress. And we've looked at that here at Hartford HealthCare. We have a, a very astute group of professionals 
that uh, do research, that are very interested in checking in on our own population of healthcare workers, and have, have found what they found across the country, which is the same, you know, uh, statistics I was pointing to before, that there are increases in the rate of depression and anxiety. One of the things in particular for healthcare workers they are driven by the mission. So they are driven to help people. They often uh, don't ask for help themselves or are willing to put their lives on the line literally when it comes to helping patients. So particularly when we were in our surge here, there were quite a lot of frontline healthcare workers that were putting themselves you know, uh, in what could be perceived as harm's way with respect to the, the virus, and that causes a great deal of stress. One of the statistics that really jumped out at me were the demographics of the people that are taking their own lives. The second leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 34. That, that's, a, that's shocking. Why, why are so many young, young people affected by this? Yeah, Stephen, if we had been talking a few years ago, uh, you wouldn't have seen that same statistic. So um, it skews younger now and um, very concerning to see it go down to age 10 now to 34. Actually, suicide has been a, a, a leading cause of death in the sort of 20 to 30-year-old range, but uh, there has been an increase in younger people. Uh, one of the really concerning things is that particularly in young people of color, there has been, by uh, one study, an estimated increase of uh, maybe even 80% in the last you know, 20 years. And you know, it's hard to, to point to one particular cause. I think uh, there are a lot of ideas about what, uh, what might be causing that. Certainly, the role of uh, the pressures of society, the, the social media, people being distanced uh, from themselves even before the pandemic, what kids are picking up in the media um, is very different than you know when you and I were growing up. It may also be that we're we're getting data that we weren't getting before, which in a sense is is good that we're asking the questions. So the point though is that we really need to uh, be attentive to it and make sure that uh, whoever in healthcare is treating younger people is aware of the risk and uh, is checking in with the with the kids and with their parents and everybody has it on their radar screen. Speaking of parents, and we know the torture that, that the individual is going through as they're battling depression and contemplating suicide, but for family members and loved ones to find out that a, that a loved one is feeling suicidal is devastating. Your advice for a parent or an, another loved one who may have a family member that they find out is, is suicidal? You know, it's a great question, and uh, it, it sort of cuts both ways, because on the one hand, you don't want to be a parent that finds out that your kid is having thoughts of harming themselves. On the other hand, what you really don't want as a parent is to is to lose a child or a family member to suicide. So the key is to be uh, tuning in to some of the warning signs, uh, which are generally things like you know, real significant changes in, in mood. Now, we're all under a lot of stress in the pandemic, right? So you have to really look for major shifts in, uh, in depression or, or, or is your family member crying more? Are there major shifts in behavior? Are they not eating? Are they sleeping all the time or not sleeping at all? Are they talking about death? Are they talking about giving things away? 
And then the, the really crucial thing is to be able to really lean into the discussion with your kid or your family member or your friend and say, I just, I really want to talk with you and have an open conversation with you and an honest conversation and, and ask you uh, how you're doing, how's your mood, and are you having thoughts of harming yourself? One of the misconceptions is that if you ask somebody a question like that, that you will you know, put the idea of suicide in their head. There have been many, many studies now that show that is absolutely not the case, that it is, in, in fact, how we pick up and notice people that are at risk and are suicidal to lean in and ask. So very much encourage people to do that. This is such a different kind of illness because with, you know, you hurt your knee or you, you know, you have a pain in your abdomen. As a person who may be feeling some of these feelings, how do you self-evaluate? How do you know when it's an issue for you? Is, is it something that comes out during your primary care visit? And how do, how do you really self-evaluate and know that, hey, I'm at this point? Well, Steve, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is uh, in our business, in psychiatry and behavioral health, the organ that we're talking about, we're not talking about your liver, we're not talking about your kidneys. If you have depression, if you have anxiety, if you have psychosis, for that matter, it's happening in your brain, by definition. And your brain also happens to be the organ that you use to interact with people. It's the organ that you use to reflect on yourself. So imagine your liver trying to reflect on itself, right? So it's one of the real conundrums in psychiatry, this thing that you're, you're bringing out. And it's just something that, that we have to deal with. In, in psychiatry, we, we are very attentive to how much insight does somebody have. And there's a range. So you can have any... Uh, disorder. You can have depression, you can have anxiety, you can have bipolar disorder, you can have schizophrenia, and you can have insight or you cannot have insight. So there are people that, that uh, deal with uh, schizophrenia and have insight about it. There are people that have depression and don't have insight about it. So um, just even asking the question the way you did means that you're thinking about, okay, when I'm talking with this person, they may or may not you know, agree with what I'm seeing, because the organ that is creating their depression is also the organ that gives them insight, and it's suffering right now. So being aware of it is really important. You know, this is a grim subject, but in the last few years, there's been some good news. The stigma behind speaking out, we've seen in recent weeks and in recent years, famous athletes, Dak Prescott from the Cowboys coming out a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Love speaking about it. This has helped a lot to open up the discussion can't say enough about um, when people in positions of visibility disclose that they have suffered with and gotten treatment for mental health problems. Michelle Obama just recently talked about uh, dealing with mild depression. It is absolutely one of the best ways to fight stigma or actually what we uh, we we use the word discrimination, you know, um, because the stigma is more sort of self-inflicted, but there is in fact uh, an external, you know, discrimination that happens for people that have mental illness, disclose mental illness, and it absolutely makes a difference when people come forward and just make it part of the conversation. I, I do actually have hope that the younger generations, younger than my generation, uh, we're, we're definitely seeing that they are much more comfortable talking about mental health problems and uh, behavioral health issues. And so I actually uh, do have hope that stigma and discrimination will lessen over time. We've come a long way in identifying and, and treating depression and and suicidal thoughts in the clinical space and uh, primary care and, and, and in hospital settings. Talk a little bit about 
zero suicide and what Hartford Healthcare is doing across the system to address this issue? We're really lucky in uh, the United States and actually now worldwide to have access to uh, a program called Zero Suicide, which started now about 20 years ago out of uh, Detroit. And basically, it's actually very simple in its essence. It, it said, a team actually of, of clinicians said, you know, when they sat around, these are behavioral health folks, they, they said, well, what's, you know, we really want to improve depression care. Let's talk about suicide. Let's set a target. What you know, what would be a, a quote, acceptable, unquote, uh, you know, number of suicides in our population of uh, 250,000 lives, let's say, to, to show that we're making progress in combating depression. And I think famously, it was a nurse around the table that said, why would it be anything other than zero? And that little idea took off. And now there is a, uh, a program, and it's a, in one sense, it's simple. Um, but it, it's quite uh, an undertaking to implement within a healthcare system. And at Hartford Healthcare, not just in the behavioral health network, but across Hartford Healthcare, there has been a, an ongoing process for now about four years to implement zero suicide. And basically, the components are to realize that suicide in and of itself is something that we need to pay attention to, not just depression, not just anxiety, uh, but also monitoring how we're doing in identifying people that are at risk for suicide, whether or not they're presenting with depression, to do that not just in behavioral health but across the system, so in emergency rooms, on medical floors, in primary care, and then having a set of standard processes that we go through to evaluate somebody's risk, their risk factors for suicide, their protective factors that mitigate those risks, and then, you know, if somebody is presenting with uh, signs that they might be suicidal, what is the consistent way that, that we get them in treatment and, and provide them treatment and then evaluate them to, to have completed that treatment? So one of the things that I am most proud of, and, and it's work that I haven't personally put as much effort into, it's really been teams here that have been working on zero suicide and building this program that is literally, you know, something to be quite proud of. If someone stumbles upon this podcast that, that may be struggling, that, that may be feeling hopeless and contemplating suicide, just what is the first thing you say to them? Well, first of all, there is definitely hope that thoughts of suicide come up for people generally because it seems like a, a solution but it ends up being a permanent solution to what is always a temporary problem. And again, generally, it comes up because people don't have hope uh, for the future. And uh, that is why we have the programs that we have here at Hartford HealthCare and in the Behavioral Health Network, because we have actually for, for centuries, really, but, but certainly, well, actually at the Institute of Living, we've been here for 200 years. There is a uh, there is extraordinarily effective treatment for people that are suffering from depression and other things that uh, can lead to having thoughts of uh, suicide. So there is hope. We are uh, absolutely open for business uh, here at the Behavioral Health Network. Our, our phone lines are open. Our doors are open. Uh, we actually have been able, through the pandemic, to figure out that we can provide you know, treatment uh, virtually through telepsychiatry if people feel that they need to do it uh, remotely. We also are open in person for business, and uh, most people, I would say, prefer to come in, and, and we make sure that we're open for them as well. So that's a long answer, but, but really it is that there is hope. Come in here, 
uh, or go in wherever you are. Reach out to your primary care provider, call a hotline. There's the National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline, which is the national uh, hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255, or even just reach out to a friend. Dr. John Sanapetro, Physician-in-Chief of the Hartford Healthcare Behavioral Health Network. Thanks so much for joining us today, and thank you to you and your staff at the Behavioral Health Network for all the work they're doing on this very important topic. Thank you, Steve, and and thanks for highlighting and spending time on such an important topic that we're all reminded of here in September. The Hartford HealthCare Behavioral Health Network offers a 24-7 community care center with access to licensed clinicians free of charge. Call 833-621-0600. And please share this episode in support of suicide prevention. It could give hope to someone at risk and could even save a life. Thanks for listening to More Life. I'm ready for my close-up. All the faces start to light up. You know I love this feeling. I got more life in my life. If you feel it, then you know. We can go anywhere we want to go. You're going to love this feeling. We got more life in our life. Oh, I won't stop going. No sign of slowing. Now I know it. life.